0: Well, good morning, and just in case I don't get to see you later, Merry Christmas, right? We're all in that mode, we're ready, almost ready, frantically panicking tomorrow, right? We're in probably one of those situations, and uh, today, as Pastor Mark said, we're continuing our series, The Best Present is Presence, and if you've been around for any length of time, uh, you know that we just want people to experience God's presence, whether they're here in the service or whether uh, they're going through their daily lives. We, we want it to be our goal that no matter where we are, we're able to just be in his presence, to live in his presence every moment of the day. And if, if you're honest like me, you can say, yeah, sometimes that is a challenge. Uh, but sometimes we just need those reminders that help us to just say, that's what I'm going to do. And, and so God's presence is not just a Sunday thing, but his presence is a Monday thing. When you go to work or school or you're raising your kids or you're doing whatever, and then it goes on, it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Every day of the week, we can be living in God's presence. And so as we get started this morning, I want to just share a little bit of a story. And it's, it's not like a, an isolated incident, perhaps, but it's a length of time thing. So when I was 21, uh, I had graduated from college and uh, single, living uh, with a a roommate at that time, and I said, you know what? I'd love to be married someday. So uh, I asked Amy to go out on a date. And it was at this time that we had been a part of the same church for a while. We had grown up in the youth group, kind of the last, at least the last few years of my high school experience, and so we'd known each other for about five years, and we'd hung out in the same group of friends, and we were uh, just, we would be together as friends in, in that way, and I said, maybe, maybe Amy would be a, a good one to pursue and, and see if, if she would have me. <laughs> Did that sound really bad? I'm sorry. My romantic bone overall is not very good. We'll just, we'll leave it at that. And it's going to become evident here in a minute. Uh, So we began dating and we were growing our relationship, um, but we had a few things that were challenges. Um, In many dating relationships, the couple works to spend a lot of time together right you're looking for oh can i just squeeze in this like 30 minute pocket you know maybe we can meet halfway between your work and mine and we can you know have a couple fries together or or anything like that you you're looking for those moments where you can be together and everything is bliss everything is glorious and everything was bliss and glorious with us however we had some challenges because i was working Uh, I worked at Kohl's department stores when I first got out of college. I was at their corporate headquarters over in Menominee Falls in their accounting department. And um, I had filled a position that was empty for three or four months, and they wanted everything pretty much up to date and back on track very quickly. So I was working 60, 70 uh, hours a week at that point, just trying to get the backload of work done. So that's one side of it. On the other side, Amy was a student at UW-Whitewater at that time, and so she was pursuing her education. She was going to be a teacher, and so she had a lot of things that she had to do uh, just to go through the rigors of college education. And she had college life. You you know, you, you were having the college experience. So while we were only a little over an hour apart in distance, time was not always a factor that was helpful for us either. Because as I'm working 60 to 70 hours a week, she's got college things that are going on. Um, weekends were maybe a possibility, but not always. Uh, she had a life, and I understood that. And as much as I wanted to be with her and, and she with me, she also had a life. Um, and so we embraced that, and we would try to do things um, when we could. So if she was back home from college, or if there was that opportunity where I could go down and hang out with her and her crew of friends, we would look for those kinds of opportunities. But it wasn't like we had, you know, know, every day we'd be together or things like that. So that was one obstacle that we had to overcome. Now there's a second obstacle uh, that we had, and I'll just say it was me. Okay? So... While I was interested in Amy, and I desired to be with her and spend time with her, I was not always interested in, we'll say, putting in the work of the relationship, especially a, it wasn't a long distance, but we'll just consider it a long distance relationship. We were an hour away, and so I didn't always want to put in that work initially. Um, As I mentioned before, you know, distance was an obstacle, but one obvious way to overcome that would be to talk on the phone right? And if you remember, for those of you who are in the 35 and over age, who cell phones were not as prevalent, you remember that you'd sit on your phone and you could talk to that significant other, and sometimes it would be long conversations where you're ooing and eyeing over every word that the other person is saying, and it was just glorious, right? Okay, yeah, that wasn't always me. Um, And I remember that I did not always, shall we say, succeed in that area. I would a lot of times come across probably as less than interested in what was going on. Either I didn't understand or, you know, I couldn't relate to everything that she was saying. While I should have, I wasn't always successful in that area. And I do remember a few times when Amy was a little hurt, uh, perhaps a little perturbed at uh, me not being fully engaged in the moment and in the conversation. So I could blame it on being tired after a long day of work or not fully understanding what she was going through or the experiences she was having but the bottom line was that I just needed to get over myself and just engage and give her the deten- give her the detention, give her the attention. <laughs> detention for you. Uh, This is going to be a long sermon. Let's just put it that way. (laughs) Give her the attention that she deserved. And I had to grow up and mature in the relationship. Fast forwarding now in time, we've had 20 wonderful years of marriage. And I'm very grateful that she said yes. And I'm very grateful that we do get to spend time together. And I love being able to do that. I love being able to... In the rare moment when we get the opportunity to go on a date, just the two of us, I love those moments, but I also love just being able to, at home, we can catch up on each other's day. We can hear what each other has gone through during the day. Sometimes it's, we get to sit around the table and do that. Sometimes it's in passing, like, I'm going here, you're going there. Hey, how was your day? Great. Good. All right, let's go. Um, But it's even better, some of those moments when we just get to wind up on the couch we're just sitting, we're just spending time together. Last Yesterday, after uh, a, a great day of, of Christmas with her family, uh, we just came home and we just kind of got in our PJs and we just sat on the couch and we were just able to spend time together. And sometimes that's just a beautiful thing. We didn't even really, we didn't have any deep conversation, but we just were there with each other. And as we continue this idea of the best present is presence, It is this idea of spending time together or living in his presence that I want us to explore this morning. So if you would turn in your Bibles or take your Bible apps and go with me to Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. We're going to take a look at Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus this morning. After a brief genealogy, of Jesus going from Abraham down to Jesus, Matthew begins his gospel by sharing these events. This is really the first story uh, that Matthew gives us. So in Matthew 1, starting in verse 18, he says, This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. So Matthew gives us a brief synopsis of the events leading up to and surrounding the birth of Jesus. And as he relates this to his readers, he frames his account to demonstrate that Jesus' birth is a fulfillment of scripture. He, without a lot of detail, he tells us that Mary and Joseph were engaged, that Mary was found to be pregnant, that because of this, Joseph wanted to divorce her quietly and just kind of set her to the side. But then an angel came and said, "Hey, Joseph, this is all from God. It's OK. Keep moving forward, uh, and Mary, Mary." But notice that Joe, Matthew did not tell us many details about Jesus' actual birth, right? We don't get a lot of colorful uh, surroundings of what is going on, where as Luke tells us that Jesus was born, he was wrapped in swaddling clothes, he was placed in a manger, the angels sang all this kind of stuff. Matthew doesn't do that at all. All we get from Matthew is the baby was born and Joseph named him Jesus. That's basically it. Like, it's an event, but in a sense, it's a non-event because the more important focus for Matthew is he wants to proclaim a simple but world-changing message. And that message is tucked in the middle of these verses. He's pointing out a critical fact that his readers need to understand that as a fulfillment of a prophecy given almost 700 years earlier by the prophet Isaiah, that this child is Emmanuel, which means God with us. He's saying, guys, I want you to get this, that God becoming man has now happened. God is with us. You need to get this from the very beginning of my account here, the very beginning of my gospel. This is a statement not only about who Jesus is, but about also how significant his birth is for each of us. And the Christmas story really is about God being with us. It boils down to that idea. And so by pointing back to this prophecy, Matthew connects Jesus, this newborn child, this little infant, with the idea of Emmanuel, God with us. And with this, he ties into one of the most foundational, truths that we have from the entire Old Testament. He pulls in basically all the Old Testament in this one phrase, this idea of the presence of God, God with us, that God wants to be with us. And often in the Old Testament, we read this affirmation of God's presence in light of the circumstances that people are happening, that people are going through. Let's try it that way. For example, When Joshua became the leader of Israel after Moses' death, he faced a very insurmountable task, something that seemed impossible. He had to become the leader of Israel. He's following Moses and now he's going to lead these people. Think about that for a second. How would you like to be the next leader after Moses? Like, Moses is your predecessor? Oh yeah, I'm going to fill his sandals okay. Right? But God speaks to Joshua in Joshua 1, 5, addressing that nervousness. And he says, As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he, this is not an isolated incident. Jacob, when he fled from his home because of Esau's anger, he's, he's going and he's, he's trying to find relatives uh, of his mother's. And God promises him in Genesis twenty eight fifteen. I am with you and will be watching over you wherever you go. Another example comes in 2 Chronicles when a vast army comes against the kingdom of Judah, against Jehoshaphat the king and the people. They called out to the Lord for his help. And the Lord speaks through a prophet and says in 2 Chronicles twenty seventeen, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, go out to face them tomorrow. And the Lord will be with you. And so it's like this idea from the Old Testament that the Lord will be with you, no matter what you face, no matter what problems you're going through, the Lord will be with you. He is with you. And that was that idea that the presence of the Lord was with them wherever they went. So Matthew connects with this idea that God is with His people, and he goes on to proclaim here in Matthew: 123 that Jesus is the embodiment of that truth. Like in the past, it has been all the Lord is with you in his presence by his spirit. And now we get the physical form of Jesus carrying that out. The invisible God who has always been with us has now become flesh. He has put on skin and bones, hair and clothes, and he has inserted himself into humanity to be with us, Each and every day. He has revealed himself to us in the person of Jesus because in an effort to help us know him better and in a more personal way, Jesus took on a human form, right? Just like we get to know our spouse, a friend, our children, through spending time together and walking through them or walking with them, building our relationships through interactions, Jesus came in human flesh and he dwelt among us. So that we could know God better. To explain this even better, I want to read this quote from author David G. Benner. He writes If the invisible God had never become visible, our knowing of God would remain very limited. But divine self revelation was made complete in Jesus. To know Jesus, therefore, is to know God. Jesus is, and he quotes from Colossians 1.15, the image of the invisible God. Thus, he is the filter through which we need to pass all our ideas about God as we seek to move from knowing about God to meeting God personally in Jesus. We have the opportunity to know God through Jesus. As we read through all of the gospel accounts, we get to understand who God is, that God was with us day to day, living with us and sharing in in the daily lives that we had. In essence, God with us means that he came to earth to demonstrate who he really is and to show us in the daily, personal, everyday, ordinary life that we live who he is. So God came to be with us so that we could be right there in the highs and lows of life as well as the ordinary mundane stretches that we go through. So it doesn't have to be some spectacular event that God is with us. It doesn't have to be that lowest of lows that God is with us. It can also be in the everyday, ordinary stuff. And Matthew begins his gospel by proclaiming this fundamental truth that he is there that he wants his readers and us today to understand that a main message from the Old Testament is being fulfilled now in the birth of Jesus. Again, that Jesus is the incarnation or the embodiment of that truth that God is with us. And because he came to be with us, we can live in his presence continually every single day. That's the beauty of it all. Because of this fact that Jesus came to earth to be with us, we have this important truth that we can know and stand upon today we have the opportunity to live in his presence because he has made himself available to us and as i mentioned a moment ago as jesus came to earth and as he lived as a man he revealed who god really is and he came and he walked and lived as a man he walked among the people and he lived in small town israel It wasn't like he came to this glitzy, glamorous place. He didn't go to Rome first. He came to Bethlehem, lived in Nazareth, walked around all of Galilee and just kind of the desert regions, knowing people's struggles, knowing their joys. And he wants us to experience him, to experience his presence in our ordinary day lives too. As we make lunches every morning, as we go to school or work, as we clean the house or as we raise children, those normal, ordinary things. And sometimes it's those extra moments as well. Sometimes when we have to walk through the death of a loved one. Sometimes when we uh, just experience the pain of life that just happens. God is there with us in those moments as well. And I said that we have the opportunity to live in his presence, but here's the deal. We have the choice as well. Because God is a gentleman. You may have heard that before. God is a gentleman and he will not force himself on us. He's not going to just come in and and take over. He may reveal himself, but we still have that opportunity. In Revelation 3.20, Jesus says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. Like I said, he doesn't come in as a bull that just blows through a china shop, right? He doesn't come in and just like take over and smash through things and you have to do this. He may point those things out, but we have that choice to say, yes, I accept, I'm going to open the door and I'm going to allow you to come in. He is standing there right next to us instead and he's saying, can we do life together? Can we Can we just, can can we do this together? This would be awesome. I'd love to make lunches with you. It'd be great. He invites you to let him in to the normal parts of your life. And that's what's so beautiful. So we can choose to open the door and some of the best ways that we can open the door, I find, are through spiritual practices or disciplines. Those things that we can do that will turn our attention toward God. As we engage in these disciplines, we put ourselves in that position to allow ourselves to just focus on the Lord for that time, for that period. And those things we can then carry throughout the day. We become more attuned to him through practices like silence, through Bible intake, through prayer, through meditating on God and his word, through enjoying his creation and just saying, Wow, God, you made that. We just can be in awe of what God does And the list can go on and on. Those are not the only ways that we can engage with God. But as we attune ourselves to him, we know him more and we become more aware of his presence in each of the moments of our life. And again, the idea or the goal with any of these spiritual disciplines is simply spending time with God. It's not following the list that, oh, I got to check that box. Sometimes it may feel like that, but the idea is, I just want to turn my attention towards the Lord for just this little bit of time. And over the last several months, let me give you an example, because I've been introduced to this idea or this discipline of centering prayer. You may have heard of it. You may have engaged in it from time to time. And the goal of centering prayer is simply to be, just to be with God. You just sit in it. Literally, you sit there. And you you try to turn your heart, your attention towards God. And it it sounds beautiful and glorious. You know, as Psalm 4610 says, Be still and know that I am God. It sounds great to just be. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to perform. I don't have to, uh, you know, come up with some crazy idea. I can just simply be. And that's the goal of centering prayer. Now, however, as I've started to do this, this is not something that is easy. Let's say it's easier said than done. It's one of those moments because here's how it started for me. When I go in and I just sit and I I try to be still and try to be attentive and, and, and just try to sit there before the Lord, that's when, like, it goes crazy in the mind, Right? I, maybe no one else has ever had that, but all, automatically, all right, Lord, I just want to be here with you, and I'm just silent. And oh, I got to remember to do this later. Oh, yes, I got to do that. Oh, that's coming up too. And this, and oh, I wonder how so-and-so is doing. You know, it's, it's like this hot mess of thoughts going on in my head all of a sudden, all at once, and I'm like, why are these all coming right now? Lord, I don't want to have these right now. I want to focus on you. And as this is happening, I get the thoughts even of, is this even relationship building? Like, God, is this even honoring you? You know, so, so I've had those this to do, that to do, and then I have those thoughts. So it's like herding cats in my head, trying to just control them and restrain them. But the idea in centering prayer is that you choose a prayer word. It's it's a simple word just to redirect your focus back to simply being before God, okay? So mine that I use often is I just call on the name of Jesus. I just say, Jesus, just gently and trying to return my attention back towards the Lord. And instead of continuing to follow those thought trains that keep kind of coming along and I know I'm supposed to let them go and, and these types of things, they keep popping up in my head but i can simply redirect my focus by saying jesus because it is very difficult to think about two things at once right so if i just say the name jesus then all of a sudden all right so now i'm i'm reengaging at least trying to reengaging with the lord but i often have the t- thought during this time of centering prayer when i have to do this a lot i'm like mitch come on you're going to the prayer word like every 5 seconds pull it together man you know, it's like, can you just focus for more than five seconds? Like the squirrel that keeps running around or, or whatever. And on one hand, it is a reality that we have the thoughts that keep coming to us over and over. Or we have like 30 thoughts all coming from different directions. And we wonder, good grief, does anything ever get done in, when you're thinking like that? And on one hand, that's a reality, but on the other hand, and someone had to point this out to me, and it was beautiful because for me, it meant, all right, I can let myself off the hook. And he said, you know what? Even though you may do that, like, it may seem like thousands of times in just that short amount of time, every time that you say Jesus or you use your prayer word, it's, you're saying, you know what? I'm wanting to re-engage with the Lord. I'm turning my attention away from all that, and I'm coming back to the Lord. And sometimes it might be, all right, I got to go mow the lawn? Jesus. All right, I got to go do this? Jesus. You know, and all these things, and it feels like, like I said, a hot mess going on in your head. But when we do that, it's that idea of, you know what? Lord, I want to spend time with you I'm wanting to be engaged with you in your presence right now. I want to be in the moment with you. And that's the beautiful thing, is that I can let myself off the hook. I don't have to put so much pressure on myself that I have to do it exactly right because that's what I like to do. I like to do things well and I like to do them right. And so if I, even if, if it's my Bible reading, well, you're not reading it right. You're not reading it the way you should be or devotionally or whatever. Maybe you didn't take enough notes on that. Jesus is just, it's that idea of I, get, I can read and I'm just wanting the Lord to speak. I'm, I'm spending time before him and I'm just wanting him to speak. Or I can be out and driving and, and all of a sudden I'll have this great thought because the Lord has just planted that in my heart. You know, and so I can let myself off the hook that I don't have to perform. I just have to be. I just have to be in the presence of the Lord. Because here's the bottom line: He wants to spend time with you. He wants to spend time with me. He is just looking for our presence. And so, think about it. In your, I'll, for those of you who are married, think about it. Sometimes you, you're you're there, but you're not because you've got 30 different, you know, things going on. We'll do do stereotypes for a second. Ladies, you've got like the spaghetti thoughts all going over, right? They're all going over. Guys, we might be like, I had a thought. (laughs) Okay, all right, I'm having another thought. Okay, sometimes it can be like that. Sometimes it feels like, okay, I've got to do these 30 things. I've got to run this errand. I've got to do this thing. And sometimes we just have to say, okay, how do I bring the Lord into this? And just like dating couples who are building their relationship or even the friends that you hang out with, sometimes, if you've ever been like me, sometimes you just waste time with each other. Like there's nothing productive out of what you just did. But you're spending time and it's meaningful and you're just there with each other. You, you just get to sit. Maybe you, you know, you, you squeeze your significant other's hand. And like, I'm thinking of you, even though, like, I've got 30 other thoughts going too, but I'm thinking of you as well, and I love you. And it's in those relationships that just being together is enough, right? You're there in the moment without having to accomplish anything, and it really is the same thing with God. I think if we can liken our relationship with God with a relationship with a friend or a spouse— That can bring much fruit in our lives where we're just saying, I'm going to just be with God. In those moments as we engage in our spiritual disciplines, we simply make ourselves present to God. We turn our attention to him, to be with him just as he is with us. Now whether you're currently practicing spiritual disciplines or you want to but haven't started or you seem to stop and start because you don't feel like you're making any headway, I want to offer some encouragement to you. Start to engage in a spiritual practice and just keep going with it. Try it. Try it for a while. Um, And it may feel awkward or clunky at first. But that's kind of where things start, right? When you first do things, it feels a little awkward or clunky. When you first rode a bike, Um, it wasn't this graceful picture of you riding up a hill. You were like, you know, wobbling all over and falling over and uh, all that kind of stuff. But keep in mind that the idea is that you're turning your attention to God to be with him just as he is with us. And to this point, in the spiritual maxims of Brother Lawrence, Brother Lawrence gives us this encouragement regarding the practice of God's presence of being with him. He says this, For as much as without time and great patience, this practice cannot be attained, be not disheartened at your many falls. Truly this habit can only be formed with difficulty, yet when it is so formed, how great will be your joy therein. Instead, it may be frustrating at first, and you may be thinking, is this doing anything? Am I getting anything out of this? Lord, is this even honoring to you? I feel like this is not helpful. But as we start, it's going to be clunky. It may be a little disengaged. It may be a lot of effort. And in the culture that we live in, we have a bent toward things being instantaneous and quick fixes, right? We want it to happen and happen now. And think of it like this. I, I thought, Guess what? In about 10 days, there's going to be a good chunk of people who are wanting to lose weight. And I used the word chunk specifically. (laughs) Okay? There's going to be a good chunk of people who want to lose weight. And in 2019, they're going to say, I'm going to lose 50 pounds. Yes. And for those of us who are serious about it, they realize that it's going to be a lot of work. They begin to exercise and or eat healthier. And most people, at least the rational ones, are not going to go up and step on the scale on January 2nd and say, why didn't I lose any weight? Or, oh, nuts, I gained two pounds. I've been eating healthy. You know, and by January 7th, it may still be that you've gained another pound and you're like, but I've been eating salads all week and like on the treadmill for hours on end. Sometimes it doesn't happen right away. Sometimes it takes work and effort before you see the fruit of what is trying to be accomplished. And if they're not serious about losing the weight, they know that, I mean, the gym's like, this is their heyday right now. They're signing all kinds of people up and by January 31st, it's like it can be a ghost town in there. Um, and it's similar for us as we look at our, our relationship with the Lord. Like it can be a roller coaster for a while and sometimes we may not feel anything at first. You may be may be like me and find that when you try to silent be silent before the Lord, you have that stampede of thoughts running through your mind. It can happen like out of nowhere and all of a sudden, where did that come from? Or you may be reading your Bible and thinking, I'm just not getting anything out of this. How does this apply to me? Whatever practice you engage in, just start with it and stick with it. As you just continue to turn your attention towards the Lord, turn your attention and say, God, I'm here in this moment. I want to be with you. I just want to be in your presence. I want to live with you. Keep at it. Keep turning your attention to him. And it may be difficult, like I said, at first and at times, but you will experience God. You will experience living in his presence as you continue to turn your attention to him. And as we keep turning toward him, he will, as he said in Revelation 3.20, come and be with us. And we will experience him in deep and profound ways. And that's why Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, reminds the believers to set your hearts on things above. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. He's encouraging them and us to keep setting our focus on God. Like, it may have to be moment by moment. It may have to be day by day. But keep setting it. Keep, keep turning your focus back towards God. Keep, you know, whatever's going on, yes, we have to deal with this. But kind of, then you may have to right set your mind and, and get it into the right spot again. And living in his presence and spending time with him should not be restricted or confined to just those spiritual disciplines. Like, we can live in his presence even after we do our morning devotions, our, our morning time of quiet be, before the Lord. And I use morning, you know, whatever time of day you do that. It doesn't have to be, all right, I got 15 minutes with God, and that's where it's at, and then I'm going to go about and do the rest of my day. Like, we can take what's happened here And we can bring that throughout our day, whether we're making lunches, and we can just be like, Lord, bless this food to my children as they're going to eat it later on. May they actually enjoy it today. Um, Or maybe we're at work or we're at school and, you know, we're walking through the halls uh, of our schools and we're saying, Lord, just help me to be aware of what you might want me to do. How can I just be a blessing to someone today? Maybe it's, you know, we some of us have exciting jobs, some of us have really boring jobs, but we can bring God to any of those situations. You know, we can just say, God, I invite you into this place in this moment and I want you to be right here with me. And if we have to be critically thinking about things, Lord, give me that wisdom that I need so that, you know, what I do doesn't kill someone. Um, or, you know, doesn't hurt someone because I've just fouled up the the assembly line. Or maybe we're just, we're we're stuffing boxes all day and sometimes we can kind of get bored with it. Lord, I just love that I get to be able to do this and as I'm doing this, I can spend time with you. And so Lord, just speak to me here. You know, whatever it is that you want me to do. If I need to, you know, uh, be nicer to so-and-so or they look like they're really having a bad day and I can just be a light to them, help me to do that. You know, we get to that opportunity to not, it's, living in the presence of God is not about just the spiritual disciplines, but it's then like what God is doing in us through those spiritual disciplines and how that then affects the rest of our lives. And so earlier I used a quote from Brother Lawrence and here's the deal. Brother Lawrence was a 17th century monk in France. Okay, so very different time than what we live in now today. Um, but here's here's some truths about him. He was just a very simple, common man. He worked in the kitchen at the monastery. Uh, he desired above everything else. This was his main goal with his life. Once he came to Jesus, uh, he said, I just want to commune with God the rest of my life. And Even while he worked in the kitchen, he was trying to keep his attention toward God. And so he would pray something along these lines Lord of all pots and pans and things, make me a saint by getting meals and washing up the plates. Lord, make me a saint by what I have to do right here in this moment. Like, this is my job, and I'm just a simple man. I don't have a lot to offer, but Lord, Help me to offer it through making the meals and cleaning the kitchen. And oftentimes we can think, well, what's God going to do in that? You'd be amazed what God can do in transforming you in those moments when we're just saying, Lord, have this. I invite you into this, into that pile of dishes that has been there for a while that I need to get done. Lord, I just invite you into helping me with that. And he invited God to be with him in all of those things. They were common, ordinary, menial tasks. Things that people don't necessarily like to do. But he wanted them to be a living praise and celebration of God's glory. So whether he was praying in his quiet time or praying and worshiping while he worked in the kitchen, he wanted to spend time with God living in his presence. And we have that same opportunity each and every day. That's the beautiful thing, that because God is with us, because the virgin who was with child gave birth to a son, his name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. The best present really is presence, God's presence. We get that each and every day because here's the deal. And we're going to close with this thought. Matthew 28, so at the very end of Matthew's gospel then, he comes back to this idea of God being with us. As he's sending out his disciples, he says in verses 19 and 20, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And here's the the kicker. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So he starts his gospel, and he ends his gospel with this idea, God is with us. God is with you. I am with you always. No matter what you're doing, I am with you. And we get the choice. We can live in his presence and experience him on a daily, even moment-to-moment basis, turning our attention toward God again again and again and again and again and again and again and again. And as he will enter in, we can commune with him when we open the door. When we open that door and invite him in to every moment that we will allow him. Would you stand with me as we pray today? Lord, we thank you that you have come to be with us. Lord, we are so grateful that you fulfilled all of the Old Testament and that you came to be with us. You embodied that truth that you are with us in in the person of Jesus, that you came as a little baby, a little child, and you lived among us. You lived among people, simple people, so many years ago. But it didn't just stop there. It didn't just stop 2,000 years ago. Instead, you say, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age, that you want to walk with us, that you want to, to be with us in every moment of our lives, every season that we go through, that you are there and you are saying, can we do life together? So Lord, I thank you that you have given us that opportunity. And Lord, I thank you that we can make that choice. And today I just, I sense that you are calling to each one of us. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. You are just wanting us to invite you in and to keep inviting you in to each and every situation that we go through. So Lord, as we go through this Christmas season, I pray that you would help us to recognize the beauty of God being with us and the beauty that we have that choice that we can invite you in and experience such a great richness of your presence that we can live in your presence every single day that we can spend time with you sometimes just being and sometimes we're doing things together so Lord I pray that you would just continue to guide us in all those things. And this morning, I also just feel that there might be some who have never even begun to open the door. There are some in this place who have have never said, I want to start that relationship with Jesus. And, And so we want to give that opportunity today. And this is not something that you should feel coerced into, it should not be anything that you feel pressured into, we want you to just have that opportunity to make that decision today. And so as we've been talking about God being with us and that we do have that opportunity, maybe you've said, I've never given Jesus the opportunity to live with me, to walk with me, to where I've never been able to experience him because I've never given him any attention or focus. And today you may say, but I want to. I want to start. It's something that I don't necessarily completely understand or grasp, but today I want to start and at least begin to understand. And if that's you today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you be willing to say today, yeah, that's me. I want want to begin a relationship with Jesus. And if that's you, would you just slip up your hand and say, I want to start today to just live with him and to give him attention and focus. Well, Lord, we thank you for this family of believers that you've given us that we could be together and that we can uh, spend time in your presence on this glorious day. And we pray that you would be with us as we uh, head out of here in in a few minutes, that we would be able to uh, just commemorate and celebrate your birth and that good news that God is with us today. And so Lord, be with us be with each one of us as we go from here. Uh, Just give us your presence and may we respond and may we invite you into each moment of our lives. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray.